Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is a Jim in Los Angeles. Um, Sid is at the airport in security, so hopefully I'll get him on soon. And um, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. An Olympic skier comes out. Uh, New York Mets star Daniel Murphy's views on gays. And a bit on Bob McNair of the Houston Texans. We have someone on hold. I have no idea who it is. So if it's a crank call, this will be live radio, so this should be fun. Hey there, this is Hi. Chris French. I'm the president of Ski Bums in New York City. How are you? President of where? President of Ski Bums. We're the world's largest club of LGBT skiers and snowboarders, <laughs> and we're really excited about our news today. Uh, what, what? What? I'm sorry. What's your name, Chris? Yeah, I actually make. Oh well, you, you, I'm though. glad you called. It's it's totally out of the blue, and you saved my butt because Sid is a uh, <laughs> Sid is Sid is in security in LAX on the way to a his college reunion in Stanford. So I thought I'd be doing this solo, but. Now that you're on, Chris, let me uh, talk to you about this. So, so describe Ski Bums. That's the – you tell me. So Ski Bums – yeah, Ski Bums is the world's largest club of LGBT skiers and snowboarders. We're based in New York City, but we have more than 1,000 members around the country and in foreign countries too. Wait, could you hold a second, Chris? Sid, you're on? I sure am. Great. We have uh, Chris, the president of of um, the gay – Chris, I'm sorry I missed your organization, the gay ski bums. Yeah, Hi, we're Chris. ski bums. Hey, how are you, Sid? I'm great. No, I was just in Maine, and it snowed for about an afternoon. I actually thought about ski bums. Yeah. Well, and Sid, Chris so, has bailed us out. I uh, I was thought I'd be doing this solo, and it was a mystery call. I first thought it might be some crank call about Daniel Murphy and the Mets since it's a New York area code, but – Chris is uh, all jazzed about uh, Gus Kenworthy. Uh, Chris, tell us how you found out. You found out like everybody else did and what your reactions were. So I've actually been speaking to people for years because we've been waiting a really long time to see someone who is uh, as visible as Gus come out publicly. The fact that, that someone came out who's essentially the top-ranked free skier in the world is just beyond our, our wildest dreams. Gus caught a lot of attention a few years ago because he had this uh, famous story of rescuing stray dogs in Sochi, and because he's so photogenic, he ended up all over the media. So a lot of my gay friends noticed Gus years ago, and so for him to come out, uh, it's making a lot of people very, very, very happy right now. You know what's interesting is when I, as soon as I saw the story, I went on a little... um, we have a, a back-end communication system at SB Nation, and, I, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to post if the skier came out. And as soon as I posted his name, other guys were like, Gus, oh, my God, we love Gus because of that dog story. And, and it's funny. I mean, it's, you have a world champion skier, Olympic skier, <laughs> and people know him because of the dog. Well, you know, what's it's interesting true. about the dogs is uh, if you read the Associated Press story and the AP story, the dog story is actually kind of – melancholy and explains Gus's struggles in the closet. The dogs were actually rescued by his then boyfriend. 
His boyfriend's the the one who had the idea. The boyfriend was the one who stayed behind in Sochi 30 days after the Olympics so they can pass the quarantine. And, you know, two of the dogs, I think, died and one stayed in Russia. And then when Gus and his boyfriend broke up, I think because of the struggles of Gus being in the closet, uh, the boyfriend now took the dogs with him. And so Gus describes in the story how kind of lonely he felt about that. So I thought thought it was kind of a fascinating look at what the closet does to people and how – what Gus wanted more than anything else was, you know, to be brave enough to say, this is my boyfriend in Sochi, as he said to AP, would be a giant FU to Vladimir Putin and the Russian anti-gay policies, but he's the one that got all the attention, and the dogs were actually the person he cared about the most at the time who he could not feel comfortable enough even talking about. I think, I actually think this is Chris again, I think that uh, that story is valuable because as, as Many of us meet people throughout our lives who are closeted or who are still struggling and thinking about coming out. And when we're in the closet, many of us are very aware of what sacrifices we may be making by coming out. We fear, you know, Gus specifically talked about uh, just looking uncool. And in a culture like extreme skiing and snowboarding, uh, where, you know, the F word and being called gay is just tossed around so casually, you're very aware that you might face some serious social backlash. But what many of us don't think about are the sacrifices that we're making by staying in the closet and and in terms of just the authenticity that we might have in our friendships and our relationships uh, in the fact that you can be going through heartbreak after a breakup and no one knows about it because you can't lean on some of your closest family and friends to support you during that time. And so... I actually met someone the other day who was thinking about coming out, and I had the chance to tell him that I've never met a single person who regrets coming out. Never in my entire life, and I've heard countless coming out stories. So I think Gus is about to experience what a lot of us have. So it's funny, today I was, I was chatting with a, a college basketball coach who decided he's, he's going to finally take the leap and, and come out. And, and his first question was to me, do you think this will make my 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 basketball program looked bad because we're still we're so trained whether it's basketball or skiing uh, to think that this is still a bad thing and people are gonna could overwhelmingly think that this is bad by coming out and and I can only imagine in a in a sport like skiing that that is kind of you know you have been on the slopes you can say whatever you want and do whatever you want kind of kind of on um you know, without somebody telling you you can't, I can only imagine all the pressures that you must feel as a gay skier at at that level. Even if it's if, if well, this another is, I think this is something. I think it's important to recognize that within the kind of skiing and snowboarding world, there are these kind of subsets, and some of these are more visible uh, to the kind of general public. But extreme skiing, which is the world that Gus Kenworthy is in, is a highly developed subculture. And it's the kind of thing that really only makes it into you know, visibility during the Olympics or if you happen to watch the X Games. But in and around the world of, of extreme sports and extreme skiing, uh, there are huge media events. There's magazines, newspapers, there's videos, there's film screenings that happen in mountain towns where people show up to watch these extreme movies of people doing astonishing things on the mountain. And that subculture and everything around it is... 100% heteronormative. <laughs> like, there, there's a social element to 
the kind of skiing that, that Gus has done where, uh, and he talks about this in the ESPN <laughs> um, where there simply have just been no visible gay people at all, men, men or women, really. And so I think for especially young people who idolize people like us, who watch those videos, who go to those movies, who, you know, wait with bated breath for the beginning of, of winter because these are their heroes, for them to have a, a new role model, to see that, that you can be, you know, passionate about the sport, that this can be something that you're very good at and that you can be gay, many of us need we need role models like that for, for us to kind of come to terms with who we are and to accept ourselves. Well, and it's interesting, too, is that he discusses in the article about how the perception of the public is that it's, you know, these kind of extreme skiers, freestyle skiers, snowboarders are really kind of, you know, revolutionaries and they're avant-garde and they're different and they're iconic class, but yet how really regimented the sport is and how you have to fit in. So he never felt he fit in as a gay person. Do you think that's an accurate description of it? Do you think that's what a lot of gay people who are snow enthusiasts feel? Yes, absolutely. I literally just met someone. Ski Bums is an organization. We host events around the country, but we also host skiing and snowboarding trips around the world. So in the last 11 years, I've had the chance to meet literally hundreds and hundreds of gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender skiers and snowboarders. Um, so I've heard lots of stories over the years, but literally one week ago, I met someone who was a top-level snowboarder. He was sponsored by a snowboard company. He grew up in the, in the mountains and was one of those people who had a season pass and who was riding his snowboard every weekend, being photographed for magazines. And he never came out the entire time that he was competing, the entire time that he had visibility, simply because of how the other snowboarders who he would spend his day with on the mountain made him feel. And it's, it, I think it's something that we're very keenly aware of in terms of basketball and football. Many of us, you know, we had those experiences. It's just in our high school locker rooms. We don't, many of us don't know that that, that can happen in, in additional sports beyond the kind of classic big American sports that everyone turns into. But for those of us who did grow up skiing, like me, I started skiing when I was seven years old. I think those social pressures are, are just as pronounced, if not more so. Well, something, something that we talk about all the time is, is the difference between what's said between athletes and what they actually think. And, and, and the use of the F word and, and queer and, and, and stuff like that, even though guys might say to one another, they don't, they don't, act, they don't mean, oh, well, gay people are weak and gay people are, are dumb and gay people, I don't like gay people. It's just this colloquialism that, that we're raised with in this culture that, that is this real disconnect. And I've seen couple of the of the skiers say, yeah, we're, we're good here. And then there's probably some of the same guys who Gus heard that stuff from on the slope. I think that's true, but I think it's also just an assumption that you're straight. Uh, Gus made a mention of the fact that even an ESPN producer before one of his televised competitions asked him directly if his girlfriend would be there to cheer him on. And he simply got nervous and said that he didn't have a girlfriend. ESPN has been one of the most progressive sports organizations. They've done other uh, cover stories uh, with LGBT athletes, including my friend John Amici, who Sid and I both know socially and, and has been such a champion for so many people. ESPN isn't an anti-gay organization by any means, but that producer probably innocently just assumed 
that Gus was straight. And I think that those assumptions that we make uh, are really what leads to casual tossing around of the F word or saying that something is gay. I think we say these things in part because many, you know, in our society just haven't stopped to think, wait a minute, I might be actually talking to an actual gay person here. There may be, you know, one of my friends who was spending the day with on the mountain who has experienced uh, being made fun of or has thought about the levels of discrimination that we might face both in America and beyond. Um, I just think there's not an awareness. So that is where I think the power of a, of a story like Gus is can really resonate because it can just become that level of awareness that America needs to step into, that, that we exist and that, uh, that we are, you know, your uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sons and that we are doing everything that you are right alongside you. Well, and he talked in the story about how the ESPN question kind of threw him for such a loop that it really affected the way he performed, that he did not perform well because, you know, he, he threw up, I think, on the ski lift, and it was, you know, all this pressure of, you know, am I going to be caught out? And you're right, the, the producer, if he had said, no, I have a boyfriend, the producer would have thought, oh, that's fantastic, and would have been excited. But Gus took it as sort of, oh, my God, I'm still lying and hiding. And I, so, again, it shows the the kind of trauma people get by staying in the closet, especially when you're at such a high level like he is. And he also mentions in this story uh, the opportunity that he felt that he had to possibly come out socially uh, and to the media when he was competing in Sochi. And it's something that that uh, a lot of us who you know love winter sports, we were watching Sochi very closely because – the fact that Russia was hosting the games put international pressure on new legislation that they had just passed in what they considered anti-gay or gay propaganda, but uh, it was certainly very controversial. The world was paying attention to the Putin administration's anti-gay policies because of the Olympics, and those of us who were gay were hoping that we would see Olympians step forward to uh, support LGBT rights. So there were a number of initiatives to try to, to see if we could see a top-level Olympian make one of those historic moments, like the famous Black Power uh, moment that had happened you know, years ago. Um, Gus had that opportunity, and he, he mentioned in the story that he wasn't prepared for it yet. But it's certainly true that when you're carrying that kind of secret and you don't feel that you can live your life openly, even when you've accomplished something incredible, like winning a silver medal, it can make you feel inauthentic that part of that, even that incredible victory is... Uh, isn't as, as true and as, as meaningful as it could be because people don't know who you really are. Well, the puppy story, for example, he, uh, he, he was on national TV, the Today Show everywhere, and he was getting all the credit, and he knew the real person responsible was someone that if it was his girlfriend, she would have shared the limelight, but his boyfriend didn't share the limelight, and so he felt like he was, in essence, kind of being a bit of a fraud as he was going talking about this because he got so much attention from it. Um, you know, for that, what was a really, ah, uh, kind of heartwarming moment. And another part of the story that I personally related to is that he talked about how he didn't want to come out as a silver medalist. He wanted to come out as a gold medalist in Sochi. <laughs> and, and that there was part of what it seemed to me that he was indicating that the fact that, that he was gay is, is part of something that has driven him to be even better in his sport. I think some of us who are gay athletes feel 
or kind of grew up believing that being gay was kind of a uh, a negative or a, a kind of a, a a mark against us, and that we had to counteract that. We we needed to kind of overachieve in order to balance out that negative by being even better at what we do. I know that's something that I personally <laughs> related to growing up, um, and I mean Gus is is fortunate he happens to be the number one ranked AFP freestyle skier right now. I would personally just love to see this inspire additional skiers and snowboarders who maybe aren't the, the kind of household name that he is just to come out and, and to share their stories. I'm hoping that we'll see more and more people do so. Um, there's a handful of other top-level skiers and snowboarders who have come out, um, but none of them have come out when they were uh, at the top of their of their game. We had one Olympian who came out after she completed uh, her Olympic her Olympic competitions, and and all of them are foreign, and they're all uh, women. So the fact that he's a, an American, that he's a, a, a guy, uh, I think stands to inspire a lot of people here in our backyard. Yeah, well, it's interesting the whole piece about about having to wanted to do it as a gold medalist. He, he's a world champion, and and we are trained to to, to think that. You know, it's not good enough if you just won a silver medal at the Olympics and, you, and you're a world champion and you're ranked number one for sport. Like, that's not enough. You're gay. You have to be the best. And we hear this, we hear all the time about how, oh, nothing's going to change in the NFL until a superstar comes out. Like, Michael Sam coming out isn't, isn't enough. The, the, the backup center for the Texans coming out isn't enough. It has to be superstars. And we're trained the only people who can really have any kind of impact are are, are people who are absolutely at the, the pinnacle. And even this guy who's at the pinnacle of the sport still thinks, I thought at one point it, it wasn't enough. I mean, it's, that's the kind of mentality that we're raised in, that we that we live in in this society. It's, it's crazy. I think I think we're also well aware that this is just the moment in history that we're living in. Um, if you read out sports regularly, we've had the chance to see, uh, you know, in the last few years, a number of college athletes who are playing for Division One sports who are coming out while they're still in school. And and that's really exciting to see. I, I think we're well aware that there are going to be these kind of top-level major stories, but I think we're also optimistic enough to think that we're going to see more and more people who come out when they're teenagers, who go on to, you know, incredible, incredible achievements and, they never have to have this grand media moment because they've been out from the beginning of their very career. So I, I know that we're going to see that with football and basketball, and I'm, I'm confident that we'll see that in skiing and snowboarding too. Well, Chris, I want to really thank you for calling in. Again, you, you kind of saved the podcast because I was going to be kind of rambling on <laughs> about who knows what for until Sid got through security. So is Sid, uh, is we'd Sid like to still here, we, Sid? What, Sid's still there, yeah. I think he's muted his phone a few times because those been those airport. Uh, I could hear you know flights to San Jose or something over the <laughs> over his phone. So I think he's kind of probably muted himself, uh, so we didn't kind of hear the entire LAX flight pattern. But we'd love to talk to you again and uh, and do more on sure. the whole gay ski snowboarding thing. So thanks again. Absolutely, you're welcome. Have a great afternoon. Okay, bye bye. Thanks, Chris. Well, Sid, that was actually, I mean, I say he literally bailed me out because you text me and say you're going to be running late. I try to get a few people on 10 minutes notice. Nobody's available on 10 minutes notice. And there was this call in the queue with the 646 area code, which is a New York City area area code. And because 
I thought we are talking about Daniel Murphy. I had been getting a couple of crank calls for my Daniel Murphy column with people calling me queer and all that. And so I had a feeling, oh, my God, what if it's some religious nut who's dead when he goes, this is Chris French from Gay Schema. Like, oh, my God, like a savior. So it was actually very funny the way it the way it worked out for the podcast. And he was great and was totally unexpected. So it was uh, – it was, I thought maybe the gods had set it up. So God likes Daniel Murphy, and he likes Outsports Podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's a reminder that there's so many great people who have been working in this space and, and, and LGBT sports groups like T-Bones for, for years. And, and, you know, I think maybe we don't engage them enough. There, there are so many, you know, from, from gay basketball and, and, and football and tennis. Maybe we need to engage some of those people when, when some of these stories come out. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm so thrilled he called in because I never would have, it wasn't on my radar. And again, with 10 minutes notice, it was like, humana, 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 you know, <laughs> I think I probably would have read the entire ESPN story live. Um, well, but it's it's a, well, it's a great story. And so. Yeah, well, I was, I, of course, I was getting ready for the air, the, the run to the airport this morning. And, and I, the last thing I need is some breaking news. And I get this this message from ESPN Public Relations Department, and I'm like, oh no, I don't have time to write this right now. But I, you weren't up yet. We had to get it out there as soon as possible. There, yeah. there goes an announcement for a trip, for a flight to Sacramento. So, um, yeah, and I guess the the next thing we wanted to talk about was sort of the whole Daniel Murphy thing. That uh, he's been like the star of the playoffs. He has set a baseball record with six. Home runs in six consecutive playoff games, and the whole thing came out this spring when Billy Bean, um, the new ambassador for inclusion, was speaking at locker rooms uh, across baseball. Where Murphy said, you know, he's he, you know, liked Billy Bean coming to visit, but he disagreed with the homosexual lifestyle, and you know, which caused uh, you to write a great column about what happened if Daniel Murphy has a gay son and. So I just kind of wrote a story about how I disagreed with his Christian lifestyle because he picked Christianity when he was 15, and that form of Christianity to me is not inclusive and not tolerant, and I don't like the whole, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin kind of stuff, and it really kind of exploded on our site, and we have like like 190 comments, and they're kind of even. I was surprised at how they're kind of all going back and forth at each other, the people who are pro that kind of brand of religion and the people aren't, so... Um, it's been a talk story because of Murphy's performance in the postseason. Well, there's a bit of education that needed to happen because, you know, on the face of it, Daniel Murphy says, well, I disagree with the lifestyle, but I would welcome a gay teammate, and I would love him and embrace him, and I would help him get better and all this stuff. But when you when you start your comments or end your comments or any point talk about disagreeing with who somebody is at their core, you can qualify it as many different ways as you want. Uh, about welcoming them and hugging them and not and not and having them over for dinner, but if you if you just if you just think the person is is just somehow wrong at, at inherently at their core for who they are in a way that you are not that that is problematic. It's like saying, oh well, yeah, I have black friends, but but they're not smart enough to be, to be CEOs of companies. Oh, but I love them. Well, uh, that's that's racism. So people are hopping on. I saw a couple people go after you on their very conservative blogs because, you know, oh, you're being intolerant. He, he, he loves you, but you don't love him. But this idea that you, you can't say I love the person, but I hate who they are. Like, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. 
Yeah, and a funny thing, too, is that people say he has a right to his opinion. And right in my story, I said he has a right to say what he wants to say because I got to shot that down. But, of course, people don't read it. But, yeah, it's, the, it's, the, it's that infuriating thing. It's like Kirk Cousin, the Redskins quarterback, said that basically like, well, you know, I like gay people. And he equated them with like other, like degenerate, like, you know, gamblers and prostitutes. Like they all, you know, you all love everybody despite their flaws. And it's like um, that's not very loving, Kirk. <laughs> The sort of thing that we have some sort of condition or malady, but um, I mean, it, it is interesting too, is how he's you know goes out saying that you know God, you know God made him a baseball player for a reason, and he prayed during the sixth inning of the game five of the Dodgers game, and it just it just kind of struck a chord with me, and uh, struck a chord with a lot of people because it's gotten a it's become kind of a talk story on the website of just people kind of going back and forth. But you're right. I mean, well, how do you begin a conversation with, I, I don't like the essence of who you are, but I'm still going to love you. Well, it's this idea that, that being gay is a flaw that, that, that is actually wrong. And, and that, that's, that's the issue that it's not a flaw and it's not wrong. Just because there are a, 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 a a small handful of passages in a 2,000-year-old book that talk about this. And by the way, Jesus Christ never talked about this, never talked about uh, about gay people or homosexuality being wrong or, or putting any value on it. And if it was so important to Jesus Christ, who's supposed to be the center of this religion, then, then why didn't he talk about it? But he never did. And so to, to sit there and and condemn an entire group of people because because you've decided that 2,000 years ago some prophets thought that it was, uh, or or some 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 religious priests thought it, that they, they they shouldn't have men fornicating because it took away from um, them making more babies. Just that doesn't make it a, a flaw, and 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 that's inherently. I mean, I don't know how you convince those people because all, they they come from this idea that well everyone's a sinner and I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and this happens to be your sin and I need to speak out against your sin. That that's the problem. I don't, I don't know how you get through to these people, but and that's why frankly people like Tony Dungy. I mean, I would love to engage Tony Dungy on this kind of stuff, but I don't think he'd get anywhere. Well, and I think you're right. I mean, I think Jesus did say the Cubs wouldn't win a World Series starting in 1908 for at least another 107 years and counting. So at least he got something right in the Bible. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to watch Murphy in the World Series, and we know that'll be a story that'll continue. Um, and one thing I did mention at the top of the cast, and we talked about briefly last week, Bob McNair of the Houston Texans gave ten thousand dollars to a group fighting an anti to fighting an LGBT ordinance in Houston whose main thing would be allow transgender people to use the restroom of their choice. And uh, I had a really nice article by our young 17-year-old writer, Jeremy Brenner, who's a gay Texans fan, telling McNair why he's wrong and educating him on transgender. And Jeremy said he's gotten more positive response from that from anything he's written. So it's kind of nice to see somebody that young sort of, you know, try to educate him in a way that probably McNair will never get educated on. But I thought it was a nice effort. You can't educate 75-year-old billionaires who yeah. have the answer to everything on very many things. That's why Jerry Jones runs his team. That's, he's the general manager. I mean, these guys, they, they've figured out the answer to everything. And Unfortunately, McNair is a conservative Republican from the South. And, you know, I, I, I chatted for a bit with, with somebody from the um, public relations department, the Texans, and they said, well, 
you know, Bob doesn't have anything against gay people. It's just but this is written so broadly, and it it, it includes um, veter, um, protecting veterans with foreign affairs. And I'm like, uh, wait a second. So he's against this because it protects veterans? Is that, is that <laughs> well, it's just so broad. It's just so broad. It's just so broad. He wants something more narrow. It's just it's people who are against equal rights and civil rights or against equal rights and civil rights, whether they're they're broad or narrow or anything else. Well, this is the guy that decided to keep Matt Schaub as his quarterback in 2012, 2012 instead of signing Peyton Manning. So maybe that tells you something about McNair and the, how the Texans run things. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, it was good of Jeremy to write that, and I, I think we need more. You know, but Chris Cluey called out McNair also, of course, and – in Chris Cluey's way, which <laughs> had a lot of uh, very interesting <laughs> language. So it's kind of a contrast to Jeremy's, which was so respectful. But um, anyway, that's all the time we have for now. You're heading off to your Stanford reunion, right? Yes, yes. And, and, and of course, the, um, the the homecoming game against Washington, which is a big, big football game now, is at the same exact time as the LGBT pride reception. Well, <laughs> you're going to miss the football game? I'm gonna, and two and two of my friends are officiating the game, and yes, I'm gonna miss the game. Oh, so, bummer! But we'll be, I'll be hanging out with lots of lots of LGBT Stanford alumni, so that'll be good. Well, great. That's all the time we have for today. Remember, our podcast is sponsored by AT&T Mobilizing World. Thanks again to Chris French from Ski, Gay Ski Bums, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>